Hi, welcome to episode 21 of Talk About the Passion. Today's episode is called Values Here. It's a conversation with my friend Christopher Lorden. I've known Chris uh, since the 80s when we were both growing up uh, on the North Shore. We didn't hang out really, but he was uh, someone I would see around regularly, and uh, as you did in those days, especially uh, so long before uh, social media, you connected with uh, you know kids with similar interests: skateboarding, music, playing music, uh, you know, ordering Chinese stars out of magazines, that kind of thing. Um, the other reason is that you know I consider Chris someone with some pr- pretty uh, respectable values too. So and uh, usually before I put these intros on these and mix them, I'll I'll sort of live with the recording for for a few days, you know, playing it over and over and sort of getting it stuck in my head, making sure there's nothing wrong and that kind of thing. Uh, this one I noticed is uh, you know it's 48 minutes long and uh, it's just about exactly split into thirds, like. Uh, almost like 16 minute sections and uh the first one the first third we talk about music uh the second we talk about his uh work in education and then we uh, close it off talking about the the book he wrote and uh you know as you'll hear chris is a, a well-spoken guy and his ideas on you know life especially when he talks about how he interacts with uh, kids in in the school he works at is uh spot on if you ask me uh, I won't get too into the book here in the intro, uh, as he tells the the story pretty well, and uh, I'm, I'm just about done with it myself. And it's you know it's a really great read. There's some you know truly unbelievable stuff that happens, and uh, but also you know some pretty intense and sad passages. Uh, Chris talks about where you can buy the book, uh, which I suggest you do, and uh, I'm sure you'll want to after uh, listening to him. Uh, but here's the other thing. Uh, I have two copies of the book, uh, my own copy, and one I'd like to give you, the listener. Well, m- most likely not you. Someone else probably won it, so sorry. Uh, but here, here's all you have to do. Send me an email at uh, talkaboutthep at gmail.com. And yes, that email address really exists as of about seven minutes before I uh, recorded this. Uh, I realized I, I need a, a email address for this podcast and uh, talk about the passion at gmail.com wasn't available, but talk about the P, just the letter P uh, at gmail.com was available. So, uh, yeah, so send me a, an email at that and uh, answer this uh, question. Uh, how many times did uh, Chris's uncle Robert escape from prison? answer that and uh whoever sends me the first one will uh, win a copy of the book uh i'll mail it to you and uh yeah okay this is this is uh, i'm rambling a little here so a couple of uh other more things bef- quick things before we start uh anyway I'm, I'm on social media if you search for uh talk about the passion podcast you should be able to find me on facebook instagram and twitter uh same goes for wherever you listen to uh, podcasts. You can find me there and uh, definitely subscribe if you like what you hear. Then you won't miss any new episodes. And uh, if you have a, a second, you can also give me a review on iTunes. That that kind of helps out. And uh, yeah. And uh, if, if you or anyone uh, you know would like to be on an episode, uh, send me a message again to, the, to that email. Uh, talk about the P at gmail.com. And uh, we can set something up. Anyway, here is episode 21 with Christopher Lorden, and uh, thanks for listening. So I'm here with my friend uh, Chris Lorden. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met probably when we were teenagers in oh, definitely <laughs> the North Shore here uh, in the in the 80s yep. and uh, yeah uh, where did where did you grow up up here I grew up in the town of Middleton mm-hmm. so I went to uh, Masconomet and uh, had a lot of friends in the Danvers PBD Salem area so we ended up crossing paths a lot just from the locality without yeah. even going into Boston right. Yeah, in, in, in Rocket Records, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rocket Records is always that's all goes back to there for so many people. Yeah. Did uh, so early on? Did you have uh, 
like someone in your life get you into music and that kind of I did I had I had um, a couple of friends who had older brothers which is mm-hmm. kind of a classic story yeah, for a yeah. lot of people yeah. and I listened to WM just like a lot of people did as well that was the only thing you could find kind of experimenting at the lower end of the dial yeah, like yeah. tape recording off the radio yeah. making your own mixes and um, yeah then I had a friend who was a, a DJ at a um, I forget which station it was it was a local station and had a decent record collection yeah. and just kind of started exposing me to, to all the bands that I eventually went on to you know become huge fans of but yeah. but I was they were all coming in all like very uh, piecemeal and I, yeah, yeah. I wasn't I didn't know the relationships between them it was just very random right right you know <laughs> who, were, who were some of the bands you know I, it'd be like you know I got like the Boston Not LA kind of bands going so like the real old the older stuff which yeah. is the first wave and then you'd hear you know um, Dag Nasty or yeah. Verbal Assault or bands yeah. like that and then you know then throwing in Angry Samoans and yeah, DRI yeah. or yeah, just yeah. whatever was out there and, yeah, I, and yeah. I loved it all yeah, yeah <laughs> it was you, great do you, do you remember any records that like hit you in the like sort of like a life changing yeah movie? oh Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, and the first one that always comes to mind is just Dag Nasty, Can I Say, yeah. which I know a lot of other people cite. And I yeah, remember yeah. exactly the first time I heard it because yeah. I was in Rocket Records. Oh, yeah. And, you know, everybody knew Al Quint was the man. Yeah, yeah. And I was just a, a kid, and it had just come out, and he said, you have to buy this record. Yeah. And we were talking, I was asking him about bands, and he said, this band is unbelievable. And he put it on in the store for me to hear. Yeah. And, you know, by the first track, I was already yeah. pulling out my money. And, yeah, yeah. and I went home and listened to that you know, a billion times. And I still listen to it to this day. Oh, yeah. I still think it's great. It yeah, it's held, held the well. test of time. Yeah, Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Do you go any further with Diagnosti after that album? <laughs> I'm a wig out fan beyond that. It gets yeah, yeah. a little, yeah, little yeah. dicey, but um, I did see them. I went down to New Jersey last year for punk rock bowling and yeah. Diagnosti played with Sean Brown and it was awesome. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I think that they're playing at the end of the month down, down in Jersey. And oh, nice. Contemplating going because I haven't. Yeah, it was pretty great. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't, wasn't the Dave Smalley lineup, but yeah, still, yeah. I still totally enjoyed it, and it was yeah. that was a game changer for me. That was the perfect blend of the you know the aggression of punk with melody, yeah. and then, you know what I know it's a dirty word now, but like emo-y type yeah. lyrics, no, like no, personalized just, yeah, lyrics. Definitely. They weren't angry at the government. I, I was yeah. too young to to have those kinds of feelings yeah. just yet, and yeah. um, you know about you know smashing the system. I wasn't yeah. sure what the system exactly was, yeah. but yeah. I was fifteen. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like, um, lyrics that kind of spoke to you about you know not being afraid to be an individual and yeah. things. things like that yeah. did speak to me yeah. and, and uh, they always kind of stuck with me yeah and I, th- I think of them and in, in sort of an embrace and oh I love that record uh, so much was that that same era where yes. and even seven seconds we were talking about them before before we started recording but uh, they had sort of that political stuff but then they kind of started getting to the more e- like we just said like emo stuff mm-hmm. so which is a pretty bold thing to do in a yeah. rock scene at that yeah. time for oh sure. definitely yeah yeah I mean, most definitely but i i definitely loved it and uh, what i always liked about it is i do recall like seeing seven seconds that show we were talking about yeah and you could just walk up to these guys right after they played yeah. and, and speak with them yeah, yeah. And you're just a young guy and they would be super cool yeah um that was my experience yeah. everyone has that like oh the guy was a dick story yeah, but yeah. like i have several he was super cool stories yeah yeah and even a, a legendarily not nice guy like Brian Baker was super nice to me yeah yeah and like you know I never forgot that he yeah. took his time to speak with me and answer my questions right. ask me questions like yeah, he yeah. cared yeah. you know he's like what do you think of our record you yeah, know yeah. and I was yeah. like this is wild yeah. and I always thought that was super cool that they weren't rock stars you could just walk up to Kevin Seconds yeah. and say hey I, I liked your set today and he'd be like sincerely thanking oh, yeah. you like yeah. he was genuinely like yeah. excited that yeah. you cared yeah and he's he seems to still be like that like, yeah you know, he's, he he's, does he does and that's why I think he's been around for so long he's yeah. he's always connected with people yeah I think, I think the, those are the people that I've always admired in, in the hardcore scene the, the ones yeah. with you know sort of integrity like that and just the down to earth yeah most definitely they weren't, they weren't trying to be like rock stars on a small level they were just like they love playing yeah. it wasn't about money yeah. it wasn't about any of that kind of stuff it was just like there was something it was a labor of love yeah yeah yeah. Um, were, were you identifying with uh, Straight Edge at that point? Sure, yeah. Era? When I was younger, um, the bands that I loved the most kind of came out of that. And being yeah. from Boston, too, like the yeah. best bands came yeah, out yeah. of there. And, and I also liked the New York stuff. Yeah. And um, when you're younger... Um, it seemed to be a form of rebellion to go against what your peers were doing. Yeah. My parents were super cool. They were always awesome. They let me do the things I liked and yeah. you know, I had guidelines and rules, but I wasn't rebelling against them or against the government. It was sort of like the people around me, um, there was a pack mentality of like, you know, this is cool and this yeah, is yeah. not. And it was handed to you and yeah. I never liked that. And I was kind of never felt like I never felt comfortable with that. And, um, 
you know, so it was a rebellious thing to say, well, I'm not going to drink or I'm yeah, not yeah. going oh, to, yeah. <laughs> we're not going to do those types of things that, yeah. that is typical that yeah, today yeah. you would call like a basic bro. Yeah. Like that's yeah, what yeah. I felt like I was going against. Yeah, I was yeah. like, well, I'm not going to do that. I don't feel yeah. like doing that. And that was, that was an important thing. And then, and then the music was especially hard oh, too. Yeah. And it went along with that. Yeah. It was dovetailed with my favorite stuff. Yeah, I said, yeah. Oh, this is prepackaged for a guy like me. Yeah. You know, so if it hits you right, it, and I feel like it did for me. And that, yeah. that was an important part for, you know, a pretty long time. Yeah. Until, until, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to say something many other people have said, which is um, it reached an off-putting level later right. on down the line yeah, because yeah. It, it started changing into something else. And I know yeah. I've heard a lot of other people talk about the same thing, but it, yeah. it's true. It's, it's uh, you know, saying like um, bringing in like veganism or Christian right. principles. Not that I have a problem with those things, right. but somebody suddenly telling you that this is what it is. Right. And yeah. you had been into it for quite some time already. And you yeah, said, yeah. Well, no, this is my version of it. Yeah. And um, that became a bit off-putting. Yeah. Then it became like sort of like had come full circle, and the things you were rebelling against became as judgmental and yeah, strict yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and yeah, rule-based yeah. as yeah. as the things you were trying to get away from to start yeah. with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because it was kind of an escape for for people like us to in this like living in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. It was football players, and I had I was briefly straight edge in high school. Sure, and. We would do things where we'd be like, a, I'd bring like a six pack of Sprite to like a party and be like, you guys, you know, drink six fucking beers. We're going to drink six Sprite, you know. And then we'd leave the party and call the police. And I'd be like, there's a bunch of teenagers drinking it. Oh, that's fucking funny. I, well, I, I'd like to, I'd like to, um, you know, think that I was doing it for, you know, my heart was in the right place and I was doing it because it felt right at the time. Yeah. And I, I still tried not to judge other people. I would still would go to a party and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And if people yeah. were drinking, I, I didn't want to see anybody doing unsafe things. But yeah. the whole point was like, hey, you do your thing and I'll do mine and we can both respect it. Yeah. I so, think that that was sort of the, like Ian McKay and, and Al Burrell and those guys always kind of talk about it. it was just, this was another choice that we wanted to take. And mm-hmm. it was a, you know, it wasn't supposed to be like this militant thing. It was just like this is another choice of thing you can do as a teenager or a right. young kid. And right, and, it, and it, it's like not to say um, you know I didn't get in trouble or do things I wasn't supposed right, to right. do. You know, yeah, I yeah. still did like risky, dumb things yeah, yeah. for a laugh or whatever yeah, yeah. it might have been. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was all supposed to be in good fun. It wasn't yeah. self-destructive or I'm just going to get messed up on drugs and yeah. just go that route because I, yeah. I knew that that was a. I don't know. I just thought there was like a loser path and I yeah, didn't yeah. want to do it. If other people did, I didn't necessarily, you know, have bad feelings about it, but I just didn't like seeing people that I cared about yeah, yeah. doing destructive things to yeah. themselves. And that, that holds true to today. Oh yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think when I met you, you, you were also in a band. Uh, yeah. I, I was, yeah, I was in I a band um, since I was probably like 15, you know, yeah. you start out with your friends yeah, yeah. and nobody knows how to play anything yeah, yeah. and you kind of learn together. Right. And that was an awesome thing through high school like yeah. we would practice um one of my friends parents they wouldn't come home from work till seven or eight at night and we would just all go there almost every day after school and that's where i started to learn how to play yeah. and we would just play like every day the songs weren't that good but they were tight yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, we had bad gear doing... and right, we right. didn't we weren't musically inclined just yeah. yet and uh but it was an awesome thing that was like other people were going to you, yeah. you know do sports or go to their job or do whatever they do so it was yeah. a pretty positive thing yeah. i thought it was it was a creative outlet and it yeah. was something that i got to hang out with my friends but we were also doing something creative yeah. And, that, yeah. and that was pretty nice yeah yeah so i did that all through um high school and basically you know here i am i'm 46 years old and i've yeah. been in a band since that time till today yeah with the exception of maybe six months, yeah, I've always been in a band. Yeah, so it's something that I never grew out of. I thought yeah. that by the time I was in my late twenties, I would hang right, it right. up and sell my gear and yeah, yeah. you know do yeah, something yeah. else. But it's just uh, it never really went away. Of course, you can't do it on the level that you did right. when you were younger. Yeah, when yeah, you have like a real job and all that stuff. But yeah. I think it's important to just keep doing it, even though. Well, I mean, the whole point never was to make money yeah, or yeah. make it my job. Right. Um, so th- there's that right there, but. Yeah. Um, there were periods of time where you put more effort and energy and time into it oh, yeah. because you can yeah, yeah. just see where it goes. Yeah. And then, um, then you reach a point where I'm like, well, I don't think I should quit altogether because I'm not in the position to tour or yeah, yeah. anything yeah, like yeah. that. I still want to do something creative and still yeah. make some music. And now there's different formats. Now yeah, yeah. You can just put it up online and see who yeah. likes it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's very cool too. Yeah. I just saw that. They, and I think you guys were on the, that Boston hardcore. Uh, yes. The Tang. Yep. Uh, they're going to reissue. 
that yeah, I was reading or, about that, which would be really cool. Right, I know some so people they, were talking about, yeah, no, none of the bands got yeah, paid. Yeah. And I'm indifferent. I mean, yeah, I know yeah. somebody's making money, but I thought it was awesome to be on yeah. the compilation. Yeah, and definitely. I loved all the bands on yeah. there. It was just a bunch of, it captured that moment in time, which, yeah, yeah. which was a great period of time. Yeah, it was, that was a great period of, of, of uh, hardcore in Boston. I which bands from that did, did you favor the most from that um, time period? Let me see. I loved Eye for an Eye. I thought they were... They were great. Uh, I always was sad that they didn't go further than I always thought they should have. Yeah, yeah. They should have been huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> and, yeah, they seemed like they were sort of on their way to be like another. Uh, I don't know, not seven seconds, but that sort of level of just I mean, sort as, of like as a big as burn or any. Yeah, yeah, I know everybody always made the burn comparisons because right. they had African American singers, but right. I think it was they, they played together a lot too, yeah. and they were friendly. Yeah. Um, but I think they they definitely should have been like a headlining status oh, yeah. band. Yeah. You know, had they stuck around another couple of years, I think yeah. it would have would have been really great and yeah. it was inter- they were taking a new path musically too and oh, i was yeah, interested later. in seeing where that was yeah. going so yeah. kind of a sad what, what could have been thing, yeah yeah that's that's happened to a lot of bands too yeah they had that that song sort of later on that sounded like the charlie brown <laughs> yes, theme, I yeah. think, the, the bass line <laughs> yep. and, uh, kevin, and yeah, kevin great musicians playing. great yeah. musicians yeah. and uh they definitely you know were a step ahead or two yeah, step or two ahead of most of the bands at the time. Yeah, so yeah. It, was, it was cool to watch them, you know, like get better and better. And yeah. but you put four strong personalities in a band, oh, yeah. and yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know what's going to happen. Yeah, there yeah. Most times. Uh, go, going backwards a little. Do you, do you remember the first like hardcore show you? I do. You went to. I do. I um, the the first like legitimate show. I think I might have went to one or two like hall shows or something yeah. like with right. just you know kids bands and stuff right. but the first legitimate show I went to was December 85 I went to see the Circle Jerks and Gangrene oh, yeah. at the channel yeah, yeah. we were probably there probably, I yeah. think I bought a ticket at Rocket and right. uh, that was you know the, the cliche life changer for me <laughs> yeah, yeah. there and it was the first time I saw all these people that yeah. I'd never seen before yeah, yeah. and you know and back then people didn't have you know purple mohawks and shaved heads and stuff so yeah. and you'd see like a girl with yeah. like a, you know a skinhead girl and like <laughs> I'd never seen any of that stuff and it freaked me out and yeah. terrified me but yeah, i loved yeah. it <laughs> right right and you had to go to those shows to collect flyers to find out when the other ones were yeah, yeah. and i thought that was really cool it was this big like underground secret yeah. society and i was completely fascinated by all that and yeah. um that was a great show and i did i bumped into somewhere like maybe towards the end of the show i bumped into chris doherty from gangrene oh, okay. and i talked to him and he was like the nicest coolest guy ever to me he was yeah. so nice to me and that really made an impression back to kind of like brian baker and some of the other yeah. guys being like really nice to me yeah. i remember thinking like these guys like care about the people who come and see them yeah, yeah. they're genuinely grateful that you yeah. shelled out eight bucks or right, right. to see their band yeah, yeah and that you took time out of your life to come watch yeah. them play yeah definitely yeah so that made an impression on me so that was the first big show that I, I think I went to yeah. at, at the channel which yeah. you know there's so many awesome shows there oh, later yeah. on yeah, and, uh, yeah. and I missed so many too simply by not knowing Yeah, like I was I was around when Black Flag was playing I just never caught them right. and yeah, I remember yeah. somebody saying oh don't worry they come through all the time and then I never saw <laughs> and them they were and going, they yeah, went yeah. on to be one of my favorite bands Yeah, yeah. you know and I never caught them back in the day yeah I think uh, that too with like this little underground network uh, on the uh, Mike Hills podcast that we were talking about earlier the interview with Mike Gitter. Mm. Uh, Gitter talks about when you got involved in the hardcore scene, he's like, everyone had a job. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of true. Like, literally everyone you know was either in a band or did a zine or made flyers. It, was, it really was like a network. It was, yeah, it was, everybody participated and, on some level. And even just showing up regularly and supporting yeah. was being a part of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I would see you at Rocket Records and then I'd right. maybe see you at the mall or yeah, something yeah. but yeah, then yeah. I saw that guy at TT's last right, week and right. you just start recognizing yeah, yeah. the people yeah. because they weren't everywhere right. you know and you just started yeah. to pick those people out of a crowd all you had to do was wear a certain t-shirt yeah, and, like and I knew that I should go over and talk to you yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> that I mean, kind of a thing yeah. It, yeah definitely yeah and you grew up in Swampscott right? Swampscott yeah. Yeah, yeah yep so yeah. all North Shore people yeah yeah no I know it was a small world of uh, it was, and when I was in high school there was me and Maybe one or one or two other people yeah. that were sort of that's pretty much the same it. for me. Yeah. So just a couple of other people, and, yeah, yeah. and then you would maybe find out about some kids skateboarding. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. You would just yeah. go and see what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. And Kind of just hang out until yeah. you knew each other's names. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird to think that there was there was like the Beverly people and the, yep. um, yeah, because there's no Facebook, so you had to, yeah, yeah. to find each other. So yeah, it was very different, and um, but there was something pretty cool about it. You know, yeah. I know kids do it a different way today, and there's an efficiency to it that's yeah. nice. Yeah, you can. But there's no um, adventure and discovery anymore now. Right. It's just like if you know how to spell, you can find yeah. anything like yeah, right yeah. now on your phone. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. 
So it's um, when I I I work in education, so I talk to to kids all the time, and I see kids who are getting into the music that I know Mm -hmm. I would probably like if I was seventeen right now. And I always talk to them about like how they discovered what they what they're now into, and you can see that although it's music that you and I might not like, or we just kind of roll our eyes, it's derivative, or this band was better. Yeah, um, it means the same thing to them. Yeah, exactly. What what we've discovered back then. So I never like dismiss it. Yeah, you can't. I hated when people did that to me when I was younger yeah, so yeah. just a few years older oh, yeah. older eyes at your favorite band yeah what's this say, crap right. yeah and um, I kind of vowed to never do that I'm like no yeah. like, and they'll give me a tape of their yeah, favorite yeah. band and I'm like yeah, a tape. You know, yeah. like nobody's giving me a tape. In yeah, yeah. But they'll like, you know, you send me MP3s or right, something. Right. And, and I will listen to it. Yeah, yeah. And I'll ask them what they like about it. Yeah. They're very enthusiastic. And I was like, I can always yeah. endorse that. I just encourage them, listen to more stuff. Just keep playing yeah, yeah. shows together. And yeah. you see kids, you know, really taking... Um, taking charge and like going to set up hall shows and renting yeah, yeah. PAs and doing all that like nice. really embracing DIY so that's yeah. never gone away yeah. really yeah. if they if there's no venue they make one right. and yeah. I think that's awesome that yeah, they yeah. still do that yeah yeah um, so you've been a teacher and in, in edu- education now yeah for- I've been I've been um in education since 2003 okay um and i taught for a long time and yeah. in the last couple of years i went into administration mm-hmm. so now i i do a lot of uh unfortunately i do a lot of things like that resemble police work oh, and, yeah. and social yeah. work right. and yeah. so i wear a lot of different hats now um, right. helping run the school mm-hmm. and you know i get a school of 1300 kids running around and you know so i deal with stupid things like vaping and all right. that but i also <laughs> deal with kids who might have like deep psychological issues yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. or some kids homeless or right right you know so there's there's a lot of heartbreaking stories out there that come your way yeah. and then uh but i still always reference my frame of reference is going back to those super important days when right. i was going to shows yeah, yeah those formative years and i always try to keep that at the forefront of my head when i'm talking to young people yeah um about this is their experience because it's easy to dismiss what they're going through as dramatic right or right overstated yeah, but to them it means the world yeah and I remember things that meant the world to me back then, which, you know, are trivial now, but at right. the time, yeah, yeah. so it's all that matter of perspective. And those, those formative years are pretty important yeah, to, yeah. to set you what kind of adult you're going to be later on. Right, right. So, yeah. yeah. So, I, I've been in education for a while now. I had a um, I had a legal career before that. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, so, I, I was know. an attorney for a while. Okay. Yeah. I went to law school and... Um, you know, I was a prosecutor for a while. Actually, yeah. actually like I did a lot of drug really? cases. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah, you probably probably didn't know that about yeah, me, but no, I, I, I did that. that for several years. I okay. uh, I got ended up kind of specializing drug cases, and yeah. again, coming across young people who had already kind of like destroyed right. their lives. Yeah, yeah. And here I am, not helping them, but sort of like I'm on the back end. They've already gotten in trouble. Now it's right. my turn to step up and make yeah, sure yeah. they get punished. Right, right. And something about that never set with me very well is that mm-hmm. so this kid seems take away the drugs and you have a pretty good kid yeah, yeah. they kind of seem to need help more than they need punishment right right and so that was something that always kind of um made it hard to to fully embrace that type of work yeah um so it was just real like there was i was already post-intervention I right mean, i was always thinking if there was some way to work with young people before they went down yeah. a bad path yeah, yeah. that would be pretty cool to me yeah. that would be something you could get some gratification out of and yeah. uh you know, it just so happened I'm from a family of teachers and I right. always kind of enjoyed that work and I sort of started um, teaching a couple college classes doing yeah. legal, you know, like criminal law and constitutional right. law and then yeah. I found a job where I could teach that to young people. It's yeah. like the marriage of two things that I was interested right, in so right. that worked out really nice. Nice. Yeah. And, you, and, you, and you think being in the, growing up in the hardcore scene influences a lot of just what you do in your work too most definitely absolutely i mean trace um, it back to most definitely yeah absolutely um and i've talked about this a lot with with, you know my peers who were around back then like taz niles definitely being one of them i know that you know he's he's a businessman now but he has this full presentation that he ties back to the diy ethic yeah yeah and most of the people he's speaking to don't know that that's the origins of it but i know exactly where it came from and where it was inspired from right um you know for myself um you know dealing in the business of young people and helping to some small degree help shape their lives and like where they're going um some of the things that i learned from that i can transfer from back then was just being open-minded you know like the scene i always thought was supposed to be diverse right right (laughs) you were supposed to be like cool with everybody and and like kind of like you know be exposed to other people's thought patterns and and what their flavors were and you know take or reject what you wanted from that but just kind of like accept people as good people regardless of their background 
So that was that's a big piece of it, and that's something I always try to to hand down. I don't want to preach to kids. I I rarely ever do. You know, once in a while, you have to give them that fatherly talk. But for the most part, like kind of cultivating that idea of like, look, you're still in a town that you were born in, and one day you're going to be you know passing these borders and going out further and meeting other people who aren't just like you right. and don't have the exact same experiences of you and that's an exciting thing and you should yeah. embrace that and learn from that oh, yeah. instead of be scared of it right, and reject right. it and run yeah. away from it and make yeah. fun of it yeah. you know just kind of take people for who they are and something i have noticed is things aren't as homogenous as they once were yeah. you know i looked at my yearbook from 1989 and everybody had the same like one or two different haircuts <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> everyone boys yeah. and girls and oh, yeah. and now you see like there'll be a, a kid who looks like a heavy metal dude but yeah. he's on the track team right he's right in a, you know, it is different man. Huh? yeah <laughs> you know so people can kind of cross lines with yeah. much more ease yeah um, being gay is way more accepted yeah I wouldn't say it's all the way there, but right, it's like, right. you know, kids aren't afraid to hold hands in public in a school, you yeah. know, that I think you know what would yeah. happen back in yeah, yeah. 88 if yeah, yeah, you saw that. Yeah, because I, I got called the F word as a, as a and I yeah. wasn't even, you know, it was just because I had, you know. Because you were different. Yeah, yeah, because I wore so that whatever you. I was wearing, you know. And yeah. Even, so, like, I remember a cop in Swamps got <laughs> calling me that at one point. I, I witnessed a cop call my friend that, yeah, yeah. you know, like, and, and it was just... You, you didn't really think too much about like how hurtful that would have been right. until oh, yeah. later on you find out that you did have gay friends and but they were scared to admit it and yeah yeah then you thought about back to oh what did i say back yeah. then you know i didn't mean it um, yeah. but i wasn't saying it with venom and hate it right, was kind right. of what everyone said and like you know saying retard and things right, like right. that and yeah. like you know those things are unacceptable now and you know part of me wants to reject, reject like pc police but the other right. part of me is like well it was never correct yeah yeah <laughs> you know it was right. never okay right, first right. place and i guess you know um after you meet people and you you come across other people who've suffered or struggled that you know that is an yeah. insensitive uncool right, cool right. thing to say you yeah. know like i don't just make fun of cancer victims and if right. I, you know someone's mom died yeah. of cancer it's, it's it's a similar kind of thing yeah just, exactly i don't think it's cool to do no yeah my, my last job i worked with a bunch of uh kids in their 20s and one of them constantly was like that's gay that's gay and one yeah. day i just i was like you know what dude you yeah. gotta like you just gotta stop i was like you know me i'll I joke about anything. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't really have a filter, but, you know, and he's like, started, you know, he got pissed at me. And I said, you know, in a few years, you'll probably figure out, you know, what I mean. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just as, you know, when I, I'm just as guilty as saying it because I'm sure. around, you know. But like, if you said something point. to me right now, like, oh, you know, we're drinking these gay little sparkling bottles right now, <laughs> I, I might chuckle. But right. like, if you kept saying it, like, right. you have these gay candles on right. the table, I'd be like, does he really have a problem? Right. Yeah. Like, because no, I know, I know exactly. you're not like that. It's, right, right. I could chuckle if you use it because it's intentionally off right. color. But yeah. somebody who's constantly using yeah, yeah. it is, you know, th- there's a difference and you, yeah. you start to pick up on that right yeah. away, you know. Do you, do you, um, you know, use experiences, you know, growing up in high school where we didn't have like, you know, bullying and sort of all the, the problems that, that seem to be in teenagers now. Sure. I mean, the the bullying is, uh, you know, the whole game has expanded to everything that you can do online. Yeah. So now so much of what I see isn't the classic, you know, some kid got stuffed in a locker. Right, right. Um, that, I won't say it's gone, but it's right. gone way down from I think back in the older days yeah. plus if you reported it back in our time right. <laughs> people would tell you to go lift weights yeah, and yeah. like get over right, it right. And, you know fight yeah, yeah. back right. you know um, it, it's kind of your fault for being too weak yeah, to yeah. handle it right, right. Um, now um, because you can say things nasty things about people through any kind of social media and yeah. it, it just keeps going it just yeah, lingers yeah. and like other people jump in on it and parents yeah. will jump in and, yeah, yeah. you know and like people can put up really nasty things about each other in the public eye and yeah. it's um it's very difficult because we didn't grow up like that so I'm not really sure what the rules are supposed to be yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like wow you know I'm like uh, maybe report that to the police I'm not really sure you yeah. know and everything from just um, you know rumors to things that are actually true but were right. private um, yeah, of course yeah. there's photos right. um, so nothing's private anymore and yeah. uh, for all the beauty that comes along with capturing moments and preserving them forever there's a ugly underside yeah. of like people can easily try to um, you know use things against you yeah. like in perpetuity you know something yeah, yeah. that you did think back to when you were younger you know like like say like full skinhead mode that you went yeah. through for a few months or right, something. Right. somebody takes a picture of that and yeah, it yeah. becomes a problem for you when you're trying to get a certain type of job oh, yeah. later on no, I know. yeah exactly <laughs> you know yeah that's why i had my uh i never had my real name on 
Facebook for a while because yeah. I had been looking for a job and mm-hmm. some of the things I post on there, a, a prospective employer might not <laughs> might frown upon. So, <laughs> which is a little bit too bad because you'd yeah, like yeah. to separate your right. identity and your being. I mean, yeah, yeah. sure, there's some things that I would maybe say right now if right. I didn't think that maybe a former student or even a current student might hear. Right. Uh, but you know, it's there's a lot more good than bad that's come out of, yeah. you know, the ability to communicate so yeah, openly. Yeah. I mean, the fact that this podcast is even being created yeah, yeah. is super cool. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be able to yeah. have this up online in a couple yeah, of yeah. days. And yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, uh, there's so much more good that comes from it, but I am constantly reminding younger people. One of the things about being young is, is not having the ability to have foresight yeah. and how this might play out a couple of steps down the line, that yeah. impulsivity and, you know, lack of just thinking into my future. Yeah, Everything's yeah. right now. Yeah. You yeah. know, into somebody who's, who's 18, like they think, 25 is your full-blown adult <laughs> right, and right. I'm going to own a house and have yeah, kids yeah. by then and they don't realize that's yeah. like 10 minutes away yeah. Good <laughs> yeah, yeah. and yeah. then when they're 25 they're working in a restaurant and still right. like trying to sort out life yeah, yeah. you know and older you know yeah. like they they think um, you know that the, the passage of time for them is, is a far different thing than yeah. it is you know? yeah um, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're talking about things like right now that are thirty years ago, yeah, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, you know, no, I know. It, it's true. It's, yeah. it's gone by so fast. It seems in a lot of ways. Definitely. Um, and then now with this, all these shootings in school, is that that's going to be a yeah, it's a, a big whole... issue. Um, and a lot of people ask about it because yeah. you know they know what I do, mm-hmm. and um, I have. Of course, I have political views and things like that. And I always try to leave those off to the side. Those are my views. And I don't try to push them on anybody else. And Mm -hmm. they form through my life experience. So if somebody else's experience is different, I get that. And, you know, I I work in a town. There's a lot of people who are pretty working class conservative. And there's a lot of gun owners. And, and, you know, some of very good people who want to defend their homes and support their Second Amendment rights. Um, but when it comes to schools, and there's a lot of people asking me my thoughts on, you know, should teachers have guns in schools? Yeah. And it's just something I can't agree with. It just, yeah. it, I mean, right. give, give me five cops in the school, but don't give right. me just regular citizens yeah, yeah. with guns. Yeah. And and I just don't think it's a good place for, for kids to learn either is when it looks more like a prison. Like we have dogs coming through searching for drugs and weapons, yeah. and we have metal detectors. Yeah. It's... It's kind of playing into the culture of fear. Yeah. I mean, school shootings are absolutely horrible. Right. And we could lock down every school and right. we could do it like that. But then, yeah. then kids are scared to go to school. And, yeah, yeah. And um, that's a bad thing, too. I don't know what the answers are, Christian. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a very difficult issue. But I do know that that um, people are scared. Kids yeah. are scared. And they're yeah. getting sick of it happening. Yeah. Um, but how do we balance out, you know, reasonable people who want to own guns yeah, yeah. and keep them out of people's hands who might have that mental illness happen, right? or you yeah. know even not mentally ill just people who are inclined towards violence you yeah. know like i don't think everyone who does this is like mentally ill right right you know they're just people yeah, yeah. who have anger who do, problems do, yeah, or, have anger yeah. issues or whatever it might be yeah um and had no previous criminal records so right, how right. Do you filter out those people and yeah. keep guns out of their hands yeah. and i don't think there's any laws we yeah. can pass to like no, ensure yeah. that's gonna yeah. happen no, definitely you know so you end up punishing a lot of law-abiding yeah. people to try yeah, yeah. to catch those other couple of people so i don't really know what the answer is yeah. to be honest with you but if we we practice drills we are we're always looking at like what's the safety plan we have right. to consciously think about it whereas yeah, before yeah. you would just react in the moment right. and it would yeah, be yeah. chaos now it's like in, in a sad kind of a way we're almost normalizing all yeah. right here's an active shooter drill that right. we have to do we were supposed to do one yesterday but right. it snowed yeah, so yeah. Uh, you know we're going to be doing one soon and and then for it's sad that you have to drill that with like little kids yeah. and they don't yeah, understand yeah. any of this stuff right. yet and, and uh from what I understand, they, they tell kids at that level, like, we're doing this because what if, um, you know, an animal gets in the school right. and we yeah, have to yeah, keep yeah. you safe. Right. And it's really sad that they, they don't know that this is yeah. why we're doing it right. because school shootings has become a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. scary. It's scary. Yeah. Um, so to move on from yeah. uh, <laughs> I know <laughs> No, that's a valid topic. Yeah, and yeah. I, like I said, a lot of people ask me about it. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's completely people have a lot of different views because everyone went to school yeah, yeah. every yeah, so yeah. You know, yeah, exactly and, yeah. and uh, but I, I will caution people who haven't been there in 30 years that it's a different it's game a different than way. it was back yeah. then yeah. so that's that's the one thing where I just kind of say okay yeah. uh, you know it's a little bit because t- I'm still there yeah, like, I'm yeah. still inside so it's like I see what happens from right. from that side of the wall every day yeah yeah. Um, so before once we set this interview up um, I wanted to buy your book and read it before I got here but it 
Amazon screwed up and well, I have a copy for you. Well, no, day, I, which I will put in your hand. <laughs> well, I, I, they did. I did eventually get it. Oh, you did. Oh, but it was great. was like this week, so I didn't read it. But um, oh, you should have pulled it on. I'm sorry <laughs> that you're underprepared for this. <laughs> but when, <laughs> but when I went to look for it before I went on Amazon and I typed your name in, <laughs> that's a website I found called Rate My Teacher. Rate My Teacher, and you were on there. With, a, oh, with a lot of great reviews. Excellent. <laughs> but there, Excellent. Was, there was one on there that said, great teacher, but gives too many papers. <laughs> yeah, you know, to- great teacher, but makes us work sometimes. Yeah, some of the, the um, I think kids probably went a little bit easier on me. Some people on there were brutal. Yeah. And I remember, I kind of forgot about that site. Kids don't use it as much yeah. anymore, but back when it first started, it was probably, I don't know, 10 years or, ago or something yeah. like that. Kids would make like very personal attacks. They wouldn't say something right. about the teaching. They yeah, say yeah. like you know that that lady's fat or just right. say nasty yes, things yeah. for no reason right, right. and some teachers a group of teachers tried to get the website shut down oh, but, really? but that yeah. was just yeah. blocked they said it's free speech right. and, yeah, yeah. and it's it's a little bit unfair because yeah, it's totally yeah. anonymous right, but right. hey if I was in high school I would have let it rip <laughs> oh, too so yeah, I had yeah. to kind of take it in stride <laughs> <laughs> and then after a while I saw that a lot of the criticisms were actually sort of on point you could yeah. kind of go through and see who had sour grapes and mm-hmm. or what was because kids seem to be um they would say, you know, this teacher's fair, but right. they can be a little bit boring. They would yeah, try yeah. to like, they would give credit where it was yeah, due, yeah. then right. say what some of their gripes were. Yeah. But then other ones, they would just flame yeah. Yeah. a certain teacher. Yeah, we, we never had that. We would just have like, you knew these four teachers were awful. And if yeah. you got like at the beginning of the year and you found out you got them, you'd be like, fuck. I could, you know. <laughs> or, and if you had something bad to say, you wrote it on the bathroom wall. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or you'd draw like, you know, a mustache on them in the yearbook yeah, or whatever. Uh, but, but yeah, so going into that, so you, you wrote a book. I did. Um, I did. And yeah. uh, what, what is that about? All right. The, the book is called The Factory. Mm-hmm. And what The Factory is referring to is the um, the prison system, mm-hmm. and particularly in Massachusetts. But what it is is um, to kind of back up, to give the context for why I wrote it, because I'm yeah. not a writer. I'm not an right. author. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I can write fine, but right. I, I, that's not what I do. Like I, I Just like I'm not a musician. I've I, I played music for a long time, but I never called myself a musician right, right. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I'm a writer in that same context. Mm-hmm. It's like I am, just to the extent I'm a musician, uh, right. it's something that I didn't let my uh, limitations hold me back. And just, I, I came across something that was a good story and it needed to be written in yeah. my view. So what that story was is that, um, you know, I have an uncle, he's my uncle by marriage, but he, you know, he's very much part of my family and I'm yeah. very close with him. He, uh, all growing up, he was in prison yeah. and I never knew why. And I couldn't search it on the internet. Right. It seemed to be something we didn't talk about much. Right. And, you know, as I got older, I found out that he had, he had, when he was young, he had been in a robbery and, uh, that the guy he robbed a store with shot and killed a police officer when okay. they were trying to escape. So they all got life sentences. Right. And so he was serving a life sentence, um, in Walpole, Walpole okay. state prison here in Massachusetts. And he, um, when I was probably like in my early 20s, he escaped from prison. It really? was on TV. Really? Wow. You know, like they interrupted the program yeah, yeah. and it was right. a Halloween day. Yeah. You know, so they canceled Halloween down right. in York. Really? Yeah, you yeah. know, like they yeah, canceled right all the surrounding prison. towns. Yeah. And um, because, you know, dangerous felons on the loose and right. all that stuff. And so there was a lot of news articles about him yeah. in and around that time. And I right. read them all and I learned right. a lot about him just in that short time. And right. then. Um, I was in college and I worked in the microfilm lab in the basement of UMass. Okay. So I, I used those dates to uh, find the corresponding like right. Boston Globe articles, Boston right. Herald. And I discovered all these things about him. And he just seemed like a like a fascinating person. He, he um, I learned that he wasn't just an inmate, but that he was president of the prisoners union. They tried oh, wow. to legitimately unionize. Really? He, and he was the head of that. Oh, wow. And uh, he, you know, was negotiating with like the governor's people and right, stuff right. like in the lobby of oh, Walpole wow. State Prison. Yeah. And that, um, you know, he, he was in definitely like an inmate leader. He was, right. his, his IQ level was far higher than the average inmates. Right. And so somebody who was, was um, in there for life, he, you know, used that influence to, you know, yeah, yeah. To be a bit of a pain in the ass right. but to change policy for the better the conditions right. in prisons were awful yeah and uh he was in there in the early 70s when i think they had um you know 18 murders in a year or right. something insane like that right. he was right in the middle of all that wow. mess um just complete you know violence yeah and um so he escaped and he was out on the street for about a month and they caught him and they sent him back in and he, they gave him 
solitary confinement. So right. he did five straight years in really? a room smaller than, you know, this dining room we're sitting right. in right now and didn't come out. Yeah. <laughs> and right. and while he was in there, he wrote his own legal appeal. He, he yeah. tried to appeal before, but his lawyers weren't really helping him out right. and he didn't have the resources. So in this tiny little room, he just used all that time. And fast forward to, you know, 2003, he got released. His, really? his appeal was successful. Right. Like his own, he, that he wrote himself. Yeah. And he got his, he got his uh, conviction overturned. Really? And then, um, you know, it was 40 years after his right. original crime. So they right. didn't retry him. He just right. did a plea deal, which allowed him to walk out a free man after 41 years in prison. Wow. So he was sort of like this very interesting, um, it was like he was frozen in time. Yeah. You know, he went to prison to like yeah. when Kennedy was president yeah. and then comes out like in the 2000s yeah. and hadn't used a cell phone, right. and, um, hadn't driven in all those years. Right. And yeah. Boston was so dramatically different. Yeah. And, and I talk about that a lot because I, yeah. I always thought that was a super fascinating story. Yeah, yeah. And so when I met him, I asked, you know, I had a legal background. And so I was looking through his papers and his motions and it really blew me away because I understood the work that he had to do right. to, to get his case overturned. Yeah. Yeah. pretty amazing that without any you know formal legal training he right. was able to like craft yeah, yeah. you know with a lot of different drafts and some yeah, input yeah. from people but that he did that himself was, yeah. was a pretty amazing story yeah and um so we became pretty close after that and, and we always have been but somewhere along the line um I was always like, you know, I want to write an article. I want to kind of put right. together your whole story in writing so it's captured. Yeah. But maybe like a like a magazine article, right. like a New Yorker length article or something. Mm -hmm. But I, I started researching it and I started interviewing him. And then yeah. the next thing I know, I have 300 pages. Yeah. And there was always one more thing I had right. to throw in, yeah, yeah, one yeah. more thing I had to throw in. Right. And then it just got, it, it just kept growing and growing. And, yeah. and so that's how it culminated in, okay, well, we're obviously going yeah. to make it a full book. Right. And so, um, yeah, we, we got the book together. We finally, it took a long time, but we yeah. finally got it edited and, and got it out. And he speaks a lot. He just spoke at, um, he's spoken at Harvard a number really? of times. Okay. Yeah, he, he lives in Cambridge, so yeah. they kind of know he's an expert on right. corrections from yeah, the yeah. inside. Right. And he's well-spoken, too. He yeah. puts on a good presentation. Right. And um, they've brought him in a number of times. So he yeah. goes in and th those students will, yeah. you know, they'll buy the book. And, and um, so the, the story is his story, but with kind of commentary on the policies that kept him there right. and some of the things that he saw and how corrections has changed over time yeah. and how it's become such a mess. Right. How it's become something that's, uh, you know, the, the like the, for example, the overuse of solitary confinement right. and how that's, it's just inhumane. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the more I learned about right. solitary, like, as I never really thought about it too much. Right. Um, but I have visited several prisons now and I have been inside a solitary yeah. cell and I think within like 30 seconds I started to feel Panic. different. Yeah, like yeah. that claustrophobia and right. to be forced to be in there and not be able to come out, I can't imagine. Yeah. Five I years. mean, it's it's pretty clear that that's torturous. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, but that's that's the discretion of the um, you know the prison superintendent. Right. So a judge can't say, Christian, you get ten years of solitary. They just right. give you ten years, and then if you act up while you're in, right. it, that's their go-to yeah, move is to right. put you in there. And um, when you have somebody in there who already has mental illness, right. it's like you yeah. know that you're pouring gas on a fire. Right. And then if their sentence expires while they're in there, they're straight to the street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then yeah. they're living next door to you. And right, me, right. Right. <laughs> so he has a lot of great insight to that. And I learned so much yeah. kind of undertaking this massive project. Like, yeah. I wanted to give up several right. times. Yeah. You know, because it was hard. It wasn't yeah. fun. It was, it, it, well, it was interesting, but right. it wasn't always convenient with the yeah. rest of my life. Right, right. And, and uh, but you do it because, like with music, you do it because you it, you think it's important. Yeah, yeah. It's not about making money. It's right. about creating something and then having it for other people. And and maybe even if it's just a small amount of people, it's something for them to maybe see something differently or yeah, think yeah. a different way. Yeah. And some of the feedback I've gotten from people is just that. And that makes yeah. me super happy. Yeah, yeah. Some people have read it and say, Hey, I never really thought about that. Right. And then you, right there, you just say, okay, mission accomplished. Yeah. If I just got a couple of people, yeah. you know, it wasn't going to be a New York times bestseller. I never right. thought that. But I thought it was an interesting story. So yeah. even if you just like true crime, yeah. it, there's it's elements of that all throughout yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, but then it kind of goes off into a direction where it's a little bit more academic about mm -hmm. discussing some of these policy issues. Yeah. So it's sort of a... Several people told me like that's not going to work. You right. got to either make it about a human interest story about right. him or it's got to be more of an academic piece. But I said, well, you know... Um, 
show me what the rules are. I right, really right. care. Yeah, like, yeah. This is what I've got. Yeah, this, this is what right. I'm going to put together yeah, yeah. and put out. So, you know, maybe a, a traditional author might say that, you know, right. th- like, you know, make fun of it or say yeah, yeah. that it's not, not in the proper format. I right, don't care right. about any of that stuff. I just, right. I wrote it and that's, that's the beauty of kind of doing it yourself. It's yeah. exactly how you want it to be. Right. I didn't edit out a line because somebody else thought it right. didn't work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? That's what I was going to say. It definitely goes back to the DIY sort Ab- of ethic. Absolutely. Just, absolutely. Like, but this is, the, this is what I'm putting out there. This is the Right. This my is my music. Of, and I didn't try to do anything to make it more right. accessible or like, you know, there, there was definitely like a whole bunch of prison war stories we could have told and marketed it as true crime. Just right. kind of like people love those stories. Yeah, yeah. Like, you right. know, that's, it explains the... Uh, popularity of prison break and right. shows like Oz. that and and he, yeah and Oz like yeah. those are fascinating shows yeah. he um you know he broke out of prison three different times and each three, one of them's yeah. a pretty amazing story and they're yeah. all recounted in the book yeah, yeah. i mean those had to go in there yeah, yeah. but it should, just showed that you know he just he never gave up he never just accepted that i'm right. here for life he's like yeah, yeah. no i'm going to try to get out of here at any turn i can and he yeah. did and then um if when you get further in you'll see some yeah. of the things he did and there it's all backed up i have all the news accounts wow when he first told me i was almost like did this no, really right. happen yeah, yeah. and you know and completely verify huh. all of them <laughs> so, so not just once but three times yeah so what were, the, what were those interviews like when you first started doing that was um, he i didn't know him well but i but he you know there was a family bond so we had a, a bit of trust there and, yeah. and he knew that um i genuinely cared about his story i wasn't just trying to say you know um get stories that were entertaining right. to me like i wanted to know all of it yeah, yeah. i wanted to know everything and mm-hmm. he told me a lot of stuff that you know didn't get recorded or written down right. you know stuff that i know he trusted me with mm-hmm. um you know because of the type of life he led yeah and uh but he was always super super honest never yeah. tried to make himself look cool right. or more important in yeah, fact yeah. he downplayed it and other people kind of tipped me off to the fact that he had a, a different status right, <laughs> than, right. than he said. Yeah. And it's part of the reason he didn't just write uh, an autobiography because right. he said, I don't want to say some of these things about myself. It's right, better right. if someone else yeah. talks about you. Right. From, but, in, but he's heavily quoted right. throughout as yeah. you can you already see in there. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. So yeah, we, we had, um we became very close that we did numerous, you know, you know, eight ten hour interviews like yeah. all day like just yeah. turn on the recorder and just go nice and i i took a lot of just like you know paring those down and organizing yeah. those so like if i were to ever do another book i would know how, i could do it in probably half the time yeah. because i know how to do you've done it once, <laughs> yeah, yeah i've done it now i did everything the long way right. because i was just stumbling in the dark but yeah, yeah. I, I figured a few things out along the way right right yeah. without getting too much because we'd rather have people read the book but uh does um he recount the when the original crime happened they all and you said there was all oh, they all got life sentences um, but he wasn't like a it was, gunman it was, it was, just, well, it was him a, and him and one other guy and the okay. other guy got away the guy yeah. who shot the cop got away and yeah. then he committed suicide a couple of days later when oh, they were okay. closing in on catching right. him yeah. so he was the last man standing right you know so he was 21 years old and right. they gave him a life sentence and uh so there's something in massachusetts and this is in the book right um you know the felony murder rule yeah and uh so you know if you and i go you know, we're driving around and I run into a store and rob it and kill right. somebody, yeah. you know, you're, you're part also. of that. So yeah, we're yeah. going to all be treated the same. And, right. and some people think that's unfair. You know, he has, um, you know, he had a murder conviction without, yeah. he never shot anyone. He never right. pulled the trigger. Right. I mean, he did commit a robbery. Right, right. He openly admits to that. And, yeah. uh, you know, that was, that was something that uh, he had to live with is that, right. you know, somebody was shot and killed and that was never part of the plan. Right, right. But yeah. it was a robbery that yeah, went yeah. bad. Right, and right. so, um, you know, some people have no sympathy for him. Other people say, you know, it's unfair. But when you look at, you know, punishments fitting the crime, you know, like there are people who've murdered one or two or people who, right. who did less time than yeah, him, yeah. you know. Right. So when you kind of look at that big context, right. you start to figure out like what's what's fair here. Right, right. You know, plus it was a police officer who died. Yeah. So you knew it was going to be. Oh, yeah. um, they, they still did have the death penalty at the time yeah. in Massachusetts, but they they voted not to give it to him. Right. Okay. So he, he narrowly yeah. avoided the death penalty. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah. they said, well, if he had actually shot him, he might have gotten oh, yeah. it. But he, right. he didn't pull the trigger. Right. Yeah. That was my other question. I was going to say, did the, is the family of, of that officer? Yes. Yeah, so people are still, or, uh, yeah, um, I, they probably are. I know yeah. that when he was released, some of the family members did show up. Yeah. Um, that officer had like, I don't know, five children or right. something like that yeah. who are all, you know, older than you and I right. now. Yeah, at this point. Um, but, 
and they still have pretty strong feelings about it from what I understand, yeah. you know? So he had to do a lot of work to kind of come to peace with like, he was going to make a statement addressing them. Right. And then he, he just didn't do it. He felt like the most, in the moment, the most respectful thing was to just, just, just to not say anything. Yeah, he yeah. said, no matter what I say, it's right. not going to, not going to yeah. change anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it was pretty cool to do all that research and then, but then have like the live subject in front of oh, me yeah. kind of match it all up with. Yeah, yeah. It was really yeah. kind of neat. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, en- I enjoyed it. it. It was, um, a long, hard process, but now that it's done, you know, right. something to be proud of and yeah, something yeah. that, you know, like when you finish your band CD and you yeah, have yeah. it and it yeah, might yeah. go on the shelf forever, but oh, yeah. it's done. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm sort of getting that with these, uh, doing this podcast. Mm. It's a little more work than I thought it was going to be, which is great, which is sort of, sort of why I wanted to do it. But yeah, each one I do is almost sort of like a minor. When my old bands would put out like a record, sure. a CD, and you'd be like, Finish yeah, with the you up to 20 now? How, how many you got now? Uh, yeah, the one next Tuesday will be the 20th. That's awesome. So, yeah, yeah. No, I'm glad you're doing yeah. this too. It's, it's yeah. a fantastic way for people to maybe hear from an old person around yeah, yeah. seen in a while. Yeah. Or um, if, if somebody, I've never heard of some of, some of the people you've interviewed, I've never yeah, heard yeah. before, but you kind of feel like you know them a little right, bit right. after you hear it. And yeah. it's nice. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people have similar stories, background stories, sure. and, and, and from different worlds to not necessarily hardcore. So. That's kind of what I want to. No, that's out to do that's this cool. Thing. I don't, this probably after we're done, I'll probably recommend a few people that you might yeah, yeah. talk to yeah, at yeah. some point. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, as far as the book, uh, where can people get that? They can get it. Uh, we have a Facebook page. It's on Twitter. Um, the factory. Yeah, it, it's Facebook, and I put up a lot of things, a lot of links, or anything that's relevant to the book. Yeah, I usually put up um, the the subject of the book. His name is Bobby Delello. Whenever mm-hmm. he speaks, I'll put a speaking date up there. Right. Um, I've put up video clips. There's a number of clips of him on. YouTube speaking yeah. Um, and yeah there's just a, the link for the book through Amazon is there and yeah. when he speaks we always bring books yeah. and people can get it directly from me if they want to contact me directly yeah. uh, or just through the factory website but it, but it is up on Amazon so yeah. that's you know probably the easiest place to find it for anybody yeah. cool yeah and uh, do your kids at school uh, they, they, they're aware of it aware yeah of it, sure yeah. they are definitely aware of it I, yeah. I don't talk about it right. but I also don't like go out of my way to hide it it's right, not right. like a you know yeah, yeah. a shameful thing but since right, it does right. have like it's heavy on the profanity and right. everything I don't yeah, yeah. And, and I don't I would never use a classroom to like shill my product <laughs> <laughs> like hey guys check it out this is on the curriculum now and you all have to buy it <laughs> like college um, but a couple of college classes have picked it up which is cool, oh, cool. and so um, that's pretty nice but awesome. as far as uh, the students of um, you know high school age I wouldn't right. uh, but kids will find it and they buy it that's up to them and if they right. want to ask me about it I'm, I'm happy to talk about yeah, it but yeah. I, I don't ever use uh, right. <laughs> I don't mix those two things <laughs> yeah, yeah. cool <laughs> yeah alright well uh, thanks for doing this man it was uh, a total pleasure yeah, I'm so yeah, happy that, uh, to, to see you again yeah, it's been yeah. a long time it was yeah it's a good excuse you. to and see then, old uh, friends too most so. definitely and I uh, was happy to do it so thanks for having awesome. me awesome thanks man alright all right